This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Brought to you by Scott's. And a good morning, Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden here, undergardener, uh, Cape Crusader, uh, to save all those things in the garden you want saved. I'm here, uh, along with our darling of the daisies, oh, thank you. Duchess of the Delphiniums, Ooh. Ooh, Charlie Dobbin. <laughs> and David Gaskin, our producer, has already lined up some phone calls for us and folks uh, calling in. They are. Did you want to give the numbers for <laughs> Absolutely. people that don't have it in their memory dial yet? Absolutely. Uh, if you're in the Toronto area, it's 416-360-0740. And then anywhere else in the province, toll-free 1-866-866. 744-740. And as usual, your want is to get to a few announcements. Eh? Well, thank you, darling. Oh, quite all right, yes. You are so lovely. I'm, it's a little holdover from the Royal Tour. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that was fun, wasn't it, oh, that Royal Tour? I, I think they did spectacularly well. I want to know why they're in L.A., though. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, uh, like, maybe just a treat. Uh, I think for, they went shopping. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Rodeo Drive. Well, of course, Maybe. She's, she's got the clothes thing going on, so she needs some, some more updated fashions. That was one of the things they were saying. She's a bit stodgy. <laughs> uh, with some, Not so much with the, the blue jeans, but more some of those mm. sheath dresses. But nevertheless, on into the garden. Yes. Lovely, lovely weather this weekend. Oh, beautiful. Gorgeous, day. gorgeous day. So quickly, oh, you know, here's a quick question. I do get email on occasion. Uh, quick question is, from Tony and Joan, and it says, My daylilies are eight years old, and they are not showing any blooms. How can I remedy this? So my first question back to Tony and Joan is, Are your day, how much sunshine are your daylilies located in? If you want daylilies to bloom, they've got to be in at least, at least six hours, <clears throat> excuse me, six hours of direct sunlight mm-hmm. every day. Uh, otherwise, they thrive on neglect. Uh, daylilies don't need anything very special. We see them in ditches and, and waste spaces all the time, merrily going along. They have very few pests, diseases. They don't need fertilizer. They don't need anything except sun. So that would be, I think, probably what's going on with Tony and Joan. Or perhaps they are in sun, but then these guys are coddling them and looking after them and giving them too much fertilizer. Mm-hmm. So the other thing is hold back on the fertilizer. If your daylilies aren't blooming, stop fertilizing them because you'll just get a lot of blooms or sorry a lot of leaves if you're cranking a lot of fertilizer okay a couple of quick announcements okay uh we've got the guildwood village community association wanting to share with us and everybody out there the knowledge that their ninth annual a day in the gardens of guildwood tour is taking place tomorrow from one o'clock till five o'clock there are 13 gardens featured all of them unique of course the tour guides are are five dollars each And they're available starting at noon tomorrow at the Holy Trinity Anglican Church parking lot, which is the southeast corner of Guildwood Parkway and Livingston Road. The proceeds support the Guildwood Village Community Association beautification projects. Well, they couldn't have picked a better day for Mm -hmm. it. Beautiful. 
Exactly. There's another one going on tomorrow as well. The Nobleton King City Hort Society has their annual garden tour. It's from 10 until 4. There are seven lovely gardens on the tour, some small and cozy, some large and open, all nestled in the lush green rolling countryside of nearby King. So, which is, of course, only 40 minutes north of Toronto. Tickets with a map are $10 each and are available at each of the gardens on the tour. So check the website and you can see where to start, where to go to pick up the, the map and, the, and then you can obviously self-guide yourself. The, the um, website is www.altaltflora, one word, altflora.com slash nobleton. And this Wednesday... You'll like this, actually. Uh, this Wednesday from 6 to 8, guests will enjoy the taste and sounds of Ireland at ah, Toronto Botanical Garden. Oh, well, no. It's nice. Oh, beautiful. This summer, TBG's kitchen garden draws inspiration from the beautiful country of Ireland. Each year, the vegetables of a particular culture, country, or continent are featured in the kitchen garden using the expertise and advice of the appropriate local community. This diverse space is in a sustainable, organic, and aesthetically pleasing... Ma- Wait a minute. This diverse space demonstrates a variety of methods for growing vegetables, fruit, flowers, and herbs in a sustainable, organic, and aesthetically pleasing manner. So the evening starts at 6 o'clock. Paul Zamet will take everybody on a tour of the gardens. That fine Irishman, Paul Zamet. Yes, yes from Malta. <laughs> <laughs> and Chef Qatar, or actually Catter, will transform potatoes leeks and beets and much more straight from the gardens in onto your you know into the kitchen and then onto your plate as you're chowing down and all these beautiful culinary offerings like potatoes and leeks and beets john stewart campbell will get everybody misty-eyed playing songs from the green isle so that's this wednesday six to eight for more information triple w toronto botanical well, yo, I'll drink to that. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> yes, well, I'll drink to darn there isn't, you know, National uh, Peanut Week, whatever. <laughs> um, in any case, the lines, they are open. And, you know, what's really surprising is I look at our uh, board here in the, uh, on the monitor, mm. and our first call is from North Bay. So I'm anxious to talk to Stanley mm-hmm. and find out if he's actually receiving the signal, you know, just the regular old AM signal, or is he online okay. all the way from North Bay? That's a long way. Mm-hmm. So we'll it's a clear day, that. though. It might yeah. be that. On a clear day. Oh, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I, I, I digress. Yes. <laughs> All right. We're going to give Dave Gaskin a little bit of work there, and we'll be back at you here at Charlie Dobbins Garden Show from AM740. There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scott's. And Frank Proctor, your sous chef for the gardening uh, area here, uh, welcoming Stanley from North Bay. Hi, Stanley. Hi, how are you doing? Very well. Now, are you, are you listening via uh, yeah. your regular radio? Yeah, regular radio. Some, if you, do they up the strength sometimes Well, nighttime? Golly, I, I don't think so. No, oh. I, I, but it's a huge signal. Yeah. It's the strongest signal in Canada. 50,000 uh, watts clear channel is what they call it. It's sometimes a big it's signal. Good, sometimes it isn't good. You yeah. know. Uh-huh. It's the atmosphere. Good. Morning. good. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah, okay. welcome to the show. Uh, thanks very much. Yeah, my flowering crab, uh, is this a good time to like prune it? I notice there's a lot of moss on the bark. You know, I guess it's because it doesn't uh, get enough light down through on the... Um, probably what you're seeing on the bark is not moss. It's actually lichen. And I wouldn't worry about it. That doesn't damage the tree at all. Uh, and frankly, this is not the best time to prune a flowering crab either. 
The, unless you're pruning out dead wood or diseased wood, that you can do anytime. Yeah. But if it's pruning for shape or, you know, doing quite a severe pruning, the time to, to do any pruning on our fruit trees, flowering fruit trees, is in, in North Bay would probably be in April. In the Toronto area, we typically do it in March. So late winter, early spring. So kind of we're past the super cold, cold time, but it, everything is still very dormant. Yeah is your, by far your best time to prune for the right growth. But like you say, if it's really just, uh, you know, a mass of crisscrossing branches and things are rubbing together and, you know, damage is occurring, then yes, you may have to do some selective pruning, but I wouldn't do anything too dramatic at this time. Wait for your, your dramatic pruning for next spring. Yeah, I put a little bit of lime on the ground. Uh, I didn't know if that would help because with the soil, you know? Uh, well, horticultural lime, dolomitic yeah, lime. Right. What that will do is it's going to affect the pH. It's going to raise the pH. So I typically don't put lime into soil unless I've done a pH test. Oh. Okay. So, um, but you may be thinking lime is used, mixed lime sulfur is used as a, f- a fungicide on particularly uh, fruit trees and flowering crabs can be very susceptible to fungal diseases. So yes, that's when lime is applied as a foliar spray. Yeah. So I would keep it away from the ground unless you've actually tested your pH and you're concerned that it is uh, not near 6.5 or 7 at the absolute highest. Yeah, I know because uh, for the last few years the tomato plants haven't been very healthy. So somebody was saying probably it's your soil. Yes, but if were you able to move your tomatoes or have you continued to plant them in the same spot? Well, not exactly the same spot, you know. But same garden, I would but, imagine. I mean, the, the, when the leaves come on, uh, the, you know, the, the branches that get yellow, mm-hmm. and the, the plant, the the tomatoes that do come, that's about all you get. You don't keep on getting a lot more. Right. Well, we have had some real issues with blight in our tomatoes the last few years. Yeah. When it was very, very wet, there was an, an absolute sort of across Canada blight yeah. infestation. It started in the greenhouses. We brought the, the, the disease home on the little plants in the spring without knowing it because they all looked green, but they dramatically turned all splotchy and yeah. brown and yellow and defoliated absolutely by many, for many people there was no leaves in July on their tomatoes. Uh, but we're hoping that with all this nice dry, sunny weather we're getting this year, there isn't, it, it, it's something called late blight that often happens in August just because of the humidity and stuff we're, we're having, but we try, you know, we expect that. We just don't want to see any blight now. We want the leaves to be green, but don't worry if they're pale green because pale green leaves means you don't have too much nitrogen, which means you should have lots of flowers and lots of fruit. Yeah, well, these are kind of yellowish looking, the leaves, you know. If, anyway, this year I bought them from a different place to see if they made any difference. You? Well, you know, and yeah. it, when all else fails, don't hesitate. You can do home soil test with a, a, a test kit. Very simple pH testing. Uh, you can also sort of, in a limited way, test the nutrients in your soil. But you can also send a soil sample to your closest accredited soil lab, which in your case would be at the University of Guelph. Yeah. Okay. Okay, thanks very much, Charlie. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining the show, uh, Stanley, all the way from North Bay. Isn't that something, That's huh? great. Yeah, great. We, well, we I was... get around, you know. Oh, absolutely. People uh, garden only... everywhere. That's exactly true. Right. And when you're gardening, of course, you've got to be careful of how you garden. Gently. Don't go <laughs> at it too hard, but just in case you have been going at it a little bit hard out there in the garden. And you've got some sore yes. wrists or fingers or knees or Mm -hmm. hips, you can avoid that stiffness and soreness. If any of it is based on arthritis or rheumatoid or any inflammation, 
Sierra Sill. Look at the look on your face. What, what? what a smooth transition. Yes. I'm just amazed. I am too. You are just too cool. <laughs> Sierra Sill is a mineral supplement that Frank and I both take to avoid sore stiffness in our joints. And we can stay active, whether it's golfing or gardening or kickboxing in the case of Frank. <laughs> and uh, so we recommend you try it if you've got any kind of sore, sore joints. Give them a call for more information. one 877 Joint 14. You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. Yeah, AM740, where you get all the dirt from Charlie, I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank Proctor here, uh, alongside as the sous chef, welcoming Grace to the line from Paisley. Good morning, Grace. Good morning. Morning. I was wondering uh, about fertilizing evergreens and spruce trees and cedars. Mm-hmm. I did it once in the spring. Should you do it once more this year? What did, what kind of fertilizer did you use? I use spikes. Okay, no, then you don't need to do it again. You don't? No, the spikes are very, it's like a real concentrated amount of fertilizer. You bang it in under the ground. Right down near the roots, and it slowly dissolves. And those spikes are good for minimum four months, if not six months, sort of depending on the amount of rainfall we have. All right. So, yeah, don't ever do spikes more than once a year. Okay. So is are they better, or would granular be better? Uh, it's a good question. Um, it's kind of, I think the spikes, many people find them very handy. Yeah. You know, you kind of figure out your square footage, you figure out how many spikes you need, you go out, you do it, you're done, you know. Yeah takes you five, ten minutes. Yeah. The granular, you, again, have to figure out how much you're going to need, put on your gloves, and then go out as if you're broadcasting, uh, feeding the chickens, right. and you're done. What I, what I like about the broadcasting is that it's a more even distribution of fertilizer okay. over the entire root area. I see. The spikes are very concentrated amount of fertilizer all in one spot. I see. So sometimes when I've had the spikes uh, accessible to me and I just didn't want to sort of put it all in one spot yeah. uh, around the, the different trees, I've ended up breaking up the spikes, actually, I and treating, them like, treating it like the granular, like break it up and kind of sprinkle it around, mm-hmm. just like I say just to, to, to not sort of super feed in one area and not feed in another because the gravity will take all this fertilizer down as opposed to sideways. I see. Okay. All right. Okay. But well, the spikes are popular. So, you know, I, I don't, I'm not sort of bad-mouthing the spikes. I just, no. I just question how effective they are in terms of really truly feeding the entire, the entire plant. But I if you spaced properly, they should do a good job. Yeah. That's what I was wondering about. And the cedars this year seem to take a real beating in the, during the winter. Like I... Well, the trick with any of our evergreens, if they look brown and not good in the spring, fertilizer obviously is the first sort of thing we we go to. But remember that if we've had a winter with a lot of sun or a lot of wind and our evergreens are exposed to all that sun and wind, they often dehydrate in the winter because when the ground is frozen, they can't access water and they tend to what's called desiccate. So it's really, really important that you water like crazy in the fall before the ground freezes all your evergreens. Make sure if it hasn't rained for, you know, sort of 10 days in a row, get out there with your hose and make sure the soil is saturated before winter comes. Okay. Here's a darn good tip. So you can't water them too much? Not in the fall. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Grace. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Joining Charlie Job Dobbin here on the Garden Show. I'm getting my words transposed as well yeah, here. That's okay. Uh, I better give you the phone numbers for those of you just tuning in maybe for the first time. Welcome to the Garden Show from AM mm-hmm. 740. Charlie Dobbin, our master gardener, fielding your questions. And hey, sometimes you have tips that you'd like to give us. Absolutely great. Love to hear from you for, for whatever reason, exactly. questions or answers. Yeah. 416-360-0740 in Toronto, anywhere else in the province, toll free, one 866 740 4740. And let's go say hi to Marianne in Scarborough. See what's on her mind. Hi, Marianne. Hi, I've got garlic on my mind today. Oh, good for you. Uh, I can smell it from have, here. Yes. <laughs> we have quite a bit of garlic, but we're wondering when the best time is to pick the garlic. How do you know when it's ready? When did you plant it? Uh, last winter. Okay. November. Yep. So what you do is you keep an eye on it. Right now it's a bunch of green leaves and it's going to send out what's called a flower scape uh, soon if it hasn't already. Keep an eye for that and remove, don't let it flower because you don't, a lot of energy goes into the formation of the flowers. So as that flower starts to emerge, you remove the flower. And at any point after that, Sometimes people will start in sort of early August, starting to lift, and it will be in August that you'll do your your full harvest. But you, what, what we kind of do is try p- dig up one clove and see what it looks like one one original bulb, which should now be a clove. But the main thing is, do not let the flowers form. Okay. Now, will the leaves kind of die back? They will. They'll start to turn yellow at the tips, and that yellowing will travel all the way down to ground level. So, again, that's going to be one of your indications that it's time to, to dig. And somebody was telling me about curing. I'm not exactly sure what that means. Well, when you dig up garlic, of course, it's put underground. If the ground is, is moist, which it usually is, it's easier to dig when there's some moisture, you don't want your, like the bulbs can rot uh, if they're allowed to sit all bundled up in a in a you know, cardboard box or whatever after you've lifted them. So the trick is you need to get them out uh, to dry, not necessarily in the sun, but in a, obviously a place where no rain can get at them. Might be on a porch or, you know, somewhere there's good air circulation. Lay it out on newspapers, um, let them dry for at least a week or so, and, the, and then, you know, you sort of carefully are brushing off the soil that might still be attached. No washing or anything, just brushing. And then it's just a question of what, how you sort of hold on to those garlic cloves to keep them accessible to your kitchen. So that's, you know, you braid them all together and hang them up near the window, or not necessarily, you want to keep them out of the window, but, you know, in the kitchen somewhere. Uh, or you've got, a, you know, a place you can keep them dark, preferably, but again, good air circulation, and start using them, of course, as soon as you can. Now, just one more question. In northern climates, can, can you replant them in the spring, the cloves? Don't, I wouldn't replant those, and you're always better to plant your garlic in the fall. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you very much. much. Uh, Marianne, uh, almost got a ticket there for that second question, <laughs> but I was just a little reluctant to be harsh this yeah, morning. Right. Well, it being was... such a beautiful day. Our mantra is, call early, call often, one question per call. Wouldn't you know I forget to mention that this morning? That's okay. And Don't Marianne worry. stepped over the line just no, but, by a toe. But her questions were all, right. all to do with garlic. <laughs> I mean, you know, she was looking for the book yeah. on garlic, obviously. And there is I, some oh, really good garlic. information I, out there. Spaghetti with butter and... Uh, pepper. Oh, man, I love it. Oh, spaghetti as in the pasta, the, the uh, yeah, noodles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. One of my salt. favorite meals. Yep. Butter, salt, yeah. garlic. Well, that's right. 
if you really do the whole thing. And then, of course, I have really nice fresh basil in my garden. Oh, well. And, of, of course, course, you, you would chop a bit yeah. of that up, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see what's cooking uh, in Toronto. Uh, mystery plant, says Ellen. Ha, huh, let's investigate this. Good morning, Ellen. <laughs> Welcome to Charlie Dobbins Garden Show. Good morning. Morning. Morning, Charlie. I uh, was gifted with a plant which came from an old garden, and when I got it two months ago, it was uh, all brown, very fine leaves, about a foot high with about half a dozen stems, and for two weeks it remained brown, and then one morning I went out and looked at it, everything was green, (coughs) and there was a beautiful cup-shaped red bloom on the very top. I can't. I don't know what kind of plant it is, and I'd like to know what exposure I should keep it in. Huh. So, and when you so now it's got these red cup-shaped blooms on top. No, the bloom lasted about a week, then then died, but now the plant is still green, and they're very fine leaves, very very fine. Like almost ferny when you say fine. Hmm. Yeah. And I have it. in a sunny sunny bed, but I have it protected with other plants. And um, I, I can't find it in any kind of book or magazine. Hmm. Is there any way you could send a photograph to me? Well, it would, yes, but it would look just green. Oh, yeah. I, the bloom was about um, two inches across, and it was perfectly cup-shaped, bright red. Hmm. And cup-shaped facing up, like, like a buttercup. Yes. yes. Wow. I mean, the only red bloom that grows on the tips of a plant that comes to my mind right now is Monarda or Bee Balm. Uh, Bee Balm is, uh, it attracts obviously bees, then honey from Monarda is the best. Well, no no animal or no bees have been around, but the bees attack my wood instead. Oh, yeah. That's wasps. (laughs) (laughs) Or it could be bees. Helen, was there only one bloom that came out? Yes, only one. But the miracle part of it was everything was completely brown, the stems stems and the leaves. And then overnight, everything was green. You know what else it could be? It could be a peony. Could it be? I wondered because when you said on the tips, the bloom was right on the highest tip. Yeah. And there are some peonies that have the non-traditional leaves. They're very, very, what we call finely um, Mm -hmm. dissected or, you know, almost ferny, like you said. Um, Boy, without a photograph, it's hard to say yeah. for sure. Well, but um, do you have access to the internet? Yes. Uh, why not put in, like, just Google, um, you know, fern-leaved peony. Okay. Or, and see what comes up. And I have a feeling that's what it is. If somebody gave you a piece, and because there's some very old peonies. I mean, there's thousands of peonies yeah. out there. But I wouldn't be surprised if that's what it is. And in the meantime... Um, I'm not sure if I have information with me. I can, I'll can. i look it up here maybe when we have a break, see if I can give you a little more um, names to go on. So keep listening, and I'll see if I can give you a little more just to, to but, Google. Do uh, you think I should keep it semi-protected from the sun? Well, I'll tell you. If it's a peony, it's going to want what, lots of sun, minimum well, that's why six I hours. that's beside an old peony. <laughs> that's a good idea. And, um, just to protect it. But so you're right. When we think of the very finely you know, dissected leaves, we always think, oh, these are just are going to burn. It'll be, the mm-hmm. sun will be too intense for them. It's kind of dependent. Are the leaves fairly thick? Like if they got, they're fairly substantial? No, they're not thick. 
They're not thick. At first, when I saw it, I didn't even think they were leaves. These just these brown spikes. <laughs> but I have heard since that the garden it came from originally, the uh, had been a master gardener. <laughs> so uh, if that helps. Well, you know, there's collectors all over the place, yeah. you know, collecting different plants over the years. And peonies are one of the best because you, they just, they live forever. And it's, if it's a great peony or an unusual peony, we do like, people like to share and, and mm-hmm. give them to friends, et cetera. So, yes, it certainly could be such, a, such an animal. Well, I think I will Google it and see. Uh, I, I just want to know about the protection of what yeah. it should, because it gets sun all day, the center bed. Okay. Well, like I said, I'll see what I can if I can come up with anything else for you. But yeah, in the meantime, I would go ahead and um, and do some googling on that. Thank you, Charlie. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, interesting bye-bye. question. It's still a mystery. We uh, haven't solved yeah. it yet, but we're working on it. <laughs> we haven't yeah. have we? we. No. <laughs> Please. We I, are really working on it I really am, well. You are Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> I'm Doctor Watson. Holmes, all right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's nine thirty-five. We better move on here. Yeah. Well, yes, indeed, we had uh, Sharon in yes, Toronto. But Watson used to help Holmes. He used to well, like, give him, ask what, the right questions and I, send him oh. in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm directing with my finger. Uh, uh, pointing, I'm pointing to the monitor here, uh-huh. as as uh, Watson would do. Um, look, Sharon's on the line from Toronto. Oh, good heavens. Hello, Sharon. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Morning. <laughs> Charlie? Yes, I'm here. Okay, great. Thanks for taking my call. A few shows back this year, mm-hmm. you suggested um, uh, a granular 30-10-10 for our cedars and evergreens. Okay, the thirty ten ten that's for it's like for evergreens. It's actually not granular. It's water soluble. I know, and you had mentioned granular, which I used to have be able to buy for years, and um, that's why I'm calling you um, because I can't find it. <laughs> okay, well you so know, we, it, yeah, it's just absolutely not available. But there was okay. Well, oh, here's mm, I'm just flipping it is back. It's powder form, but we gotta mix it with water. That's right. So if you're looking for granular, we did have a call, and it was to do with tomato food. Pardon? Uh, it was to do with uh, feeding tomatoes, but of course it wasn't thirty ten ten. No. Um, so no, yeah, I don't know of any thirty ten ten that was granular. I don't think. Anymore. I mean, so green used to make the boxed fertilizer, the two kilogram boxes, mm-hmm. and um, well, I used to buy it in bags. A CIL right made it um, the granular for years. Well, it, you know what? It's a good question. I haven't looked for granular, but whenever I think of thirty ten ten, I think of uh, the the water soluble. Yeah, but that's but yeah, it's slow to work so with. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, mind you, you know, we should have been doing all our granular fertilizing back in April, May. Oh, absolutely. And, and yeah. did you did obviously do some yeah, fertilizing and not then? Not in the fall. That's right. Not in the yeah. fall. No, we stopped fertilizing at the end of July. So yeah. anybody who hasn't fertilized as of then. So the powder don't. now we don't sprinkle the powder. It still has to be mixed with water. Yeah, never, ever, ever sprinkle the po- the powder yeah. undiluted. I wonder why they stopped the granular. Well, I mean, it could be out there. You know, CIL still exists. Uh, yeah, no. I think I've called a few companies that do yeah. make. And, um, well, okay. The other one, there was one, It was the company was called... You need a high first number, yeah. don't you? Right. Uh, that's right, and uh, well, that's what third. Well, for any of your evergreens, always remember what am I trying to feed. Yeah. So, if we're trying to encourage green growth, mm-hmm. which is what we do when we grow our lawns or we grow our evergreens, mm-hmm. then it's the high first number, the nitrogen, okay. because the nitrogen feeds above ground green growth. Okay. 
The middle number, phosphorus, encourages roots when we first transplant. It also encourages the formation of flower buds. So any kind of a transplanter fertilizer has a very high middle number. It'll be like 515.5 or 10.52.10 for transplanting. Or for flowering, it'll be 15.30.15. So again, it'll always be a high middle number to encourage flowering. And the high last number, the third number, potassium, is more to do with winter hardiness, uh, color, flavor, etc. And so your winterizing fertilizers, which we use only on the lawn, will tend to have a much higher potassium number than what we're used to seeing. Um, so yes, when it comes to the, the old cedar feeder, it used to be called. I mean, that's the other thing you could consider is um, the, the root. Have you ever used the root feeding where you, you've a probe and you stick it attached to your hose, you stick the probe down underground, run water through and then there's a little reservoir for fertilizer? No. Because that can be very effective when it comes to feeding evergreens, and that does have a water-soluble, and I believe it's 30-10-10, and you don't have to do the mixing. It gets mixed by your hose. We can do that. I know um, some professional Mm -hmm. uh, tree companies do that. Do that, and you can do it yourself, but you have to buy the equipment. It's made, the, yeah, the, yeah, and you hold, and you screw it on. That's right, hose. hose. Yeah, it's called a Ross root feeder. R O S S. Sounds Ross. pretty effective. It is yeah. actually. It's very effective, and it, if we get into really serious drought, which we sometimes do, where yeah. it doesn't rain for six or eight weeks, yeah. it's an excellent way to water down deep the roots of trees. And you don't even the, don't put fertilizer in. Just because wa- when we put our sprinklers out, we're only really getting the top inch. Sure. So the lawn takes it all. Of course, the trees never get it. And so then we put a soaker on and let it go slow. Exactly, exactly. You got it. But what is the name of that item again? Uh, Ross, as in the the boy's name, R-O-S-S, Ross Root Feeder. They used to have it at Canadian Tire. They probably still do. Oh, great. Um, And uh, people like Home Depot uh, have it. Like, it's a a fairly common tool. Mm -hmm. And you'll see the fertilizer tablets are available. They have for fruit trees, and they have it for evergreens and for flowers. So you mix your... your, um you don't have to do any mixing. Powder, 30, 10, 10? Yeah, but you don't have to do any mixing in that case. There's a reservoir. You just pop the, the it's like a... Probe. Yeah, you stick the probe in the ground, crank uh-huh. the water on, put the fertilizer tablet into the reservoir, and it is dissolved for okay. you. Okay, and the reservoir is sold with the... It's all part of the same, Great. Yeah, the, the whole well, feeder. that's a lot of information. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> well, thank you. You're thank welcome. you, Sharon. Yeah. Calling in from Toronto here uh, to the Garden okay. Show. Bye Goodbye bye. now. AM 740. But she brought up some good points, right? Yeah. And that sort of took me off into a whole bunch of different directions. But it's been dry. I mean, I've yeah, been yeah, needing to water. Right. I've been hauling hoses around. Well, there you are. Uh, there I that's am. Why, that's why you're in such good shape, hauling that, the hoses hauling around. Hauling the hoses around. I take my Sierra Sill, so I'm in no pain whatsoever. <laughs> Folks, you know, we kid about it, but we honestly, uh, both Charlie and I are uh, using this product, which is a natural product, mm-hmm. uh, and it comes initially from uh, the Sierra Mountains. That's, that's right. why the name Sierra Sill, based in Vancouver, is where and they're the, a terrific company to, uh, to, to deal with. Ton- yeah. yep. They'll talk to you on the phone. You can check them on their web sierrasill.ca or you can give them a call the reason the phone number is what it is is because sierra sill doesn't work for everybody but it works for most people and you will feel better or not within 14 days which is why there's a complete money-back guarantee if you don't feel any better within 14 days your money will be refunded the phone number for more information is one eight seven seven joint 14 friends say she's down to earth and that's usually where you'll find her 
Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And good morning, Frank Proctor here on this beautiful Saturday morning, along with David Gaskin, our producer, and uh, it is a spectacular day. Dr. Gardening. Dr. Watson. Dr. Watson, yes. I believe I've solved the mystery plant. Oh, yes, the mystery plant. You, do you, tell. You can do call tell. me Holmes if you like. All right, Holmes. Uh, <laughs> Ellen called in from yes. Toronto with a mystery plant. She talked about it being, you know, ferny, fine leaves, green, red flower, one cup shaped. Yeah. All right. Here's what it is. It's a peony. The so if you're listening, Ellen, this is what you're going to Google: peony, and the species is ten euifolia. T as in Tom, E N as in Norway, U I folia. So F O L I A. Ten euifolia. That's, I think... Yeah, you, we saw a picture. You had a picture of it, and it sounded uh, exactly what she described. And I was We've so glad I pointed you... have done a good job solving uh, that, haven't Glad we? I pointed you toward the monitor to take a look at that. <laughs> yes. Uh, Thanks for all your help, yes, well, Dr. Watson. I say, you're quite welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Couldn't Nine, have done it without you. <laughs> 9.45 here on what you, it should be the garden show, and by, by golly, it is. Uh, and Yvonne from Lindsay is on the line. Good morning, Yvonne. Good Morning. Morning. Uh, I was just wondering about my uh, Galaxy Magnolia, mm-hmm. um, eight years old, mm. uh, about five and a half feet high, but no blossoms. I've never had a blossom. Never had a blossom. Have you ever pruned it, the plant? Uh, no. Never? <laughs> because it was a long time growing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really, really short. And yep. It has shot up quite a bit in the last uh, couple years. Okay. But uh, no, I've, I've never pruned. The reason I ask that is because... So often when we don't see blooms on spring flowering plants, it's because we did our pruning in the fall and cut off where the blooms were going to be. That's the trick with magnolias. They bloom very, very early in the spring. All the buds are set in the fall. You will see flower buds on your magnolia as winter is approaching. Little fuzzy, round buds on the tips, and they're they're furry. So, um, And that's, of course, what you don't want to disturb. Now... It could be. The other thing is, how about fertilizer? Do you fertilize this plant? Uh, no, I really haven't that much. Um, I, um, I do put in um, uh, soil around it, mm-hmm. fresh soil. Is it in the, the lawn? Uh, pardon me? Is it growing in the lawn? Yes. Is there... it, um, also, the lawn is fertilized. I don't know whether it gets that does from, affect. From, from that. Yes. Is the lawn go right up to the magnolia, or is it cut away? Uh, it pretty much goes up to it. It's just a little bit of cut away. Okay. So here's what I would do. Uh, number one, cut a bigger, cut it so that the lawn is not only out at the drip line of this plant, but even better yet, further away. So nice big area of turf to be removed. Of course, fill after the turf comes out, some nice good compost or, you know, good quality soil and mulch onto that. That will help keep the lawn fertilizer as far away as possible from the tree because the last thing you want to do is feed lawn fertilizer to a magnolia. You're just going to get a lot of leaves. Mm-hmm. Because as we were just saying earlier, we do give high nitrogen fertilizer to our lawns because we want leaves. As soon as you give high nitrogen fertilizer to a magnolia, you're not going to get flowers. You're going to get leaves. So wow. it could be that. The other thing that comes to mind is your location, Lindsay. Hardiness zone probably five or four B. Do you know? Yeah, I would yeah, think uh, five, five. I guess five. I mm-hmm. guess because the magnolia is also probably five. Magnolias uh, can can be a tender plant. Is it in a quite protected location? Um, well, 
in a way it is it's in the it's in the front lawn it has mm-hmm. a um, another a couple of other trees but farther away from them oh, and, and so i don't know but whether that's protection or not i don't know because both trees lose their, their you know their Right, but uh, protection from the northwest wind is probably the main thing. So those trees are they to the north of the magnolia or uh, the other no, side? No, we're uh, it's on the su- southern location. So the front of your house faces south, magnolia, and then the bigger trees are further south. But yes. your house is protecting them. How close is the magnolia to the house? Uh, from the house? Yeah. Oh gosh, it's about uh, mm, quite a ways. Oh, quite a ways. Okay. Um, I, I can't. I mean, that would be the only... Several yards away. Okay, well, I mean, see, that would be the other thing, is that the flower buds are forming in the fall, but in the winter, they get frozen off. They, they, the plant loses its flower buds because of the extreme winter that it's being exposed to. So all I could say is, what, I, what I've already said, get the, so- the sod turf away, get some mulch in around the base of the magnolia, Obviously, keep fertilizer right away from it as well. Uh, and take, keep an eye on it. Come August, September, October, keep an eye. Look on the tips. Look for flower buds. You will, if there's going to be flowers next spring, you will know it this fall. Mm-hmm. And if there's buds there this fall and then there's no flowers next spring, then something's happened over the winter. The buds have, have been, like I say, frozen off, which is a possibility. And if that's the case, give me a call next spring and we'll talk about what to do to remedy that problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank that you, Yvonne. Great. Okay. Thanks so much. Good luck with that. <laughs> thanks. Bye now. Bye bye. It's now uh, coming around to uh, 10 minutes away from 10 o'clock. And we'll be back in just a moment to uh, say hi to Anne in Bowmanville as she calls in here to Charlie Dobbins' Garden Show from AM 740. There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM 740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scott's. And I'm Frank Proctor, your sous chef of the garden. Well, Charlie's sous chef. Mm. I, I don't do this for anybody else. No. No. I'm, I would think not. I'm only hired at huge expense for the show <laughs> just for Charlie. Dr. Watson. <laughs> Thank you. And Anne from <laughs> Bowmanville is anxious to talk to you here. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Frank. How Mor- are you? Morning, Anne. Good morning, Charlie. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for taking my call. I've been trying to get through. Oh, our pleasure. I have a little concern. I have a Rosa Sharon. Mm-hmm. She had her butts on it last year. Mm-hmm. Never opened. Mm. Never opened. Hundreds and hundreds of buds, probably. Yeah. Turned yellow, dropped off, or yeah. just hung nope, there? No, nope. just stayed there all winter. How long ago did you plant that plant? Uh, five years ago. Has it ever flowered? Oh, and how? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. It's beautiful. All right, so you know what? Uh, don't I wouldn't be. Don't be too worried. It's so interesting how. We, we have a gorgeous show off of some of our flowering plants, and then we just assume it's going to get better and better and better every year. But what really happens is there's ups and downs. So one year a plant is absolutely magnificent, and another one's not so much. The following year, it's the opposite. The one that was kind of scrawny is now phenomenal, and vice versa. The phenomenal one tends to be a little on the not-so-gorgeous side. And that's perfectly... Be- it t- makes perfect sense because there's a lot of energy required for plants to form all these buds and open them up. Mm-hmm. If you've had the Rose of Sharon put on a beautiful show in the past, I would not at this point be concerned about what happened last year unless it happens again this year. Nothing happened this year. Well, it's, it's too early still. Well, it's all in leaf, right? No, not even a leaf. Oh, hmm. it died. It, it did. Oh, interesting. I wonder. That's what I was worried about. Did you, back, okay, so back in, I mean, they are, Rose of Sharon are one of the, the last shrubs to 
put the leaves out for the leaves to emerge. So we often think they're dead in the spring. Did you do any pruning on it whatsoever? Absolutely. I prune them them the minute they've uh, finished blooming. And we've had a bad winter this year. Mm. We're right at the lake. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know we've had an immense cold, cold winter. And Mm -hmm. I've seen some of the tax freeze even. Mm -hmm. But my other one, who was about six feet away... She's doing absolutely fabulous. Fine. And is the, it, would one of the differences perhaps be that the one is a single flowering and the other was a double flowering? Hmm. I don't think so, but it could possibly be. Because if it's got like a real fluffy flower, almost looks like, you know, those wedding, you know, those Kleenex yeah. roses yeah. people make mm-hmm. for on cars, that's mm-hmm. what a double flowering Rose of Sharon flower mm-hmm. looks like. Mm-hmm. Was it that kind of a flower? Yep. yep. Okay. Because yep. they are not as hardy as a single flowering. Oh. Which could be what happened. But I was going to say, like, I once had a double flowering Rose of Sharon, was very happy in my yard, grew like crazy, yeah. set hundreds of buds every year, yeah. and never once did a bud open. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. And I threatened it for about three years, uh-huh. talked to it, threatened it, uh-huh. cut it down, tried different fertilizers, did everything I could think of. After, like I say, five, six years, I said, that's it, you're done. I dug it up, gave it to a friend, blooms like crazy yep. for my friend. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes they just, you know, things happen. But it, it was certainly a living plant. It just wasn't a very ornamental plant because the buds right. never opened. Right. Uh, so in your case, though, you actually lost it. Now, again, keep in mind, Rose of Sharon is a Zone 5 plant. You, in Bowmanville, near to the lake like that, it would probably be Zone 6 or mm-hmm. 6B. Mm-hmm. Sort about, of, yeah. I'm a, sorry, I'm about three weeks to four weeks behind in my flowering. Yeah, from Toronto. But from anywhere, even uptown. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. You, hmm. But no, you, you should have a more now. gentle winter. You should have a cooler summer and a more gentle winter. Right. You just don't have the extremes that yes. we have as we yes. get further away from bo- large bodies of water. That's right. Um, but, yeah, but Rosa Sharon is a great plant. Unfortunately, yeah, if it did die, then, yeah, there's not much you can do. But replacing it will not be difficult. There's lots and lots uh, either in the garden centers now or soon to be in the garden centers because as soon as they start to flower, they're very popular. Go for it cut it down and just hope and pray for the best? If you haven't seen any green on it whatsoever and you have pruned it already, it's unlikely that it's alive, but absolutely. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, it could just be dormant. Prune it down, you know, try and force buds out if indeed it is alive and dormant, which is possible, but unlikely at this time. Okay. I thank you so much. You're very welcome. And um, thank you very much, Frank. Oh, Love thank your you. Shows all of them. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. <laughs> We're tuned into you all the time. Bless Lovely. your heart. That's the, you've got good taste. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> thank okay. you, Charlie. Thanks so much, Anne. Wonderful weekend. Thank, thank you. you. The same Bye-bye. to you. Uh, AM seven forty's Garden Show. Have we time to take one more caller here? Oh, I, I guess if we're quick. Okay, okay, let's get Larry on the line from Toronto. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Morning. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. Charlie, I would like to know just how to winterize winter plants. Winterize winter plants? Yep. How to winterize stevia. Oh, yeah, stevia, which is actually a tropical plant. Right. Stevia, um, little uh, furrowed brow on Frank's face. Stevia is um, a sugar, very, very sweet plant. It's uh, often used as a sugar replacement, actually. It's sweet, sweet, sweet. But it's tropical or subtropical. The only way you're going to winterize that plant is by bringing it indoors before frost. 
I have tried that couple of years. I've been trying that for the last seven years. And it dies and every... all sorts of metals. Yeah. I brought it in. Sometime, one year I didn't water it. Mm. Next year I watered it and so on. No success whatsoever. Okay, so keep in mind what's going on, though, because when we go from outside to all that lots of you know bright sunshine and go inside to our dark homes, it's very uh, shocking on the plant. The mm-hmm. light level is so dramatic. So prepare the plant to go inside. Are they in your garden or in pots right now? They are in the garden now. Okay. So how are you going to prepare these plants? And they're probably in a sunny spot in the garden as well. Yes. So you have two options. One is you could take cuttings right now, root some cuttings, pot them up into little pots with potting soil, keep them out in, you know, sort of morning sun, afternoon shade for the entire summer. By the end of August, move them into the shade, still outside, so the light levels are lower, and the plant continues to grow for another two weeks or so outside in the shade. Mm-hmm. By now, it's the middle of September. We bring it inside, put it in the brightest possible spot in your home, still going to be a lot less light than it had outside, and only water as required. That can be one of the best ways is just acclimatize the plant by lowering the light levels over a period of time towards the end of summer to help it with the transition inside. And you know, I'm sorry, Larry. Uh, we sorry, have, Larry. Gotta like, go. Like the Honda uh, Indian town here, we have run out of laps. <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've got to shut her down for today. Uh, thanks and for your call, Thank you, though. Charlie. And thanks for everybody's great calls. Yeah, Appreciate super. all of it. And thanks, Dr. Watson. You're quite welcome, Hughes. See you all next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.